160,000, big number, right? 160,000. 160,000 people die every day. It's a lot of people. 160,000 people die every single day. You break it down, that's about 7,000 people every hour. 114 people, give or take, every minute. And every one, two, two people have died. One, two, two people have died. Almost every second that you are awake or asleep, people are dying. So, you're starting the morning off, and you're like, well, thanks, pastor. That's real, you know, it already wasn't real nice outside today, and now I'm, you just pushed me over the edge. Thank you for that. The reason I bring that up is because it's a very unfortunate fact in life, but I assume that death has affected your life in some way. And if not now, it will. Every two seconds, more people die. So, if it hasn't yet, it will. Maybe you've lost your mother or your father, a brother or a sister, your uncle, aunt, cousin, child. It is a very unfortunate fact in life that this is something we deal with. And when someone dies, people have questions. Why? Right? Maybe what is it that happens when we die? And if it's so common, why am I sad? If it's a fact of life, why is it hurting? Is God good in the midst of death? If death is a fact of life, how can He be good in one of the lowest points of my life. In John chapter 11, so open with me to your Bibles. Um, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, um, very similar to the New King James or something like that, but uh, we're going to meet a man, or we're going to read a story, actually, about a man named Lazarus, right? So, in uh, verse 1, John chapter 11, verse 1 we're going to read a few verses. It says this, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Two days? What are you doing? When we get the news, hey, mom's sick, dad's in the hospital, your aunt Mary passed away, we usually start looking up flights or get in the car. We're usually on our way immediately because we want to be close, right? This story growing up always bothered me, right? It's like, 
Why did you wait two days, Jesus? If you really, really, really cared, like it says you did, wouldn't you have left right away? It reminds me uh, in, you know, growing up in Orlando, we have springs too, right? You guys don't have a monopoly on springs. They're just not as nice in Orlando. But there's a park called Kelly Park or Rock Springs, right? And what's nice about that is uh, there is like a, well, you know how springs work and the water comes out and you get in a tube and you spend like an hour just floating down, dodging alligators and whatnot, right? And so, <laughs> and so uh, I decided when I was about seven years old or so, I wasn't a really strong swimmer at the time, uh, I decided I'm just going to kind of go without the tube, right? Because, you know, I can, every once in a while I'll hit a patch that I can touch and I'll just kind of like bob up again and, and do my thing, right? Because I knew I won't die because this ends right where the lifeguards are, so I'll be good, right? So I'm floating along, inhaling a bunch of water, and I'm getting down to where the lifeguards are, and I realize, all right, this is my stop. But if you've never been to Kelly Park, it, there's like a spring and then a swimming area, and then it keeps going. But if you keep going, it just leads right into the mouth of an alligator. Like, you don't want to go that way. So I knew I had to get out. And so when I get to the area where the lifeguards are, uh, I start to say to myself, or I start to say to him, help me, please, <laughs> right? Help me, hey, come get me out. And I saw that the lifeguard looked at me. He looked at me and did nothing. <laughs> so then, right, I go through like the stages of grief, right? So I'm, <laughs> I uh, become uh, scared, very scared. And I said, then it turns from like, hey, get me to, oh my goodness, help me, help. Oh, I'm drowning. I think, oh, if I say I'm drowning, he has to come in. And he's looking at me and does nothing. So I go from, hey, help me to help me, to then my tone changes. I say, hey, help me. Get me out of the water. What are you doing? I was desperate. And finally, finally, the lifeguard's like, all right, and he come and he, with that little, like, floaty thing, he kind of reaches out. I grab a hold of it, and I said, thank you. And I, you know, I go about my day. It bothered me. And I imagine that, in a, in a way, this has to be how Lazarus' sisters felt. They say, hey, we know that you can do great things. Please come quickly. You spent two extra days. Jesus what's going on? And you couldn't have blamed it on, uh, you know, you couldn't have blamed it on some of the context here that, oh, well, he was really far away. It would have taken a while because he was only about a day's journey away. So the fact that it took him two extra days, they start wondering, hey, what's, uh, what's going on? I imagine this is how they would have felt, right? And they are afraid that Lazarus will die. That's the fear, and I have to imagine that in their minds, they begin to wonder, like, you know, if he dies, like, is that it for him? Is that permanent? They've heard the truth, right? Because we see later that they say, we know that he's going to be okay, right, at the end. But, uh, like, what happens for him now? Like, is this a permanent thing? And we, humanity meaning, right, we have had these questions forever, you look at all kinds of uh, uh, civilizations, ancient and, and, and new, and um, everybody has a belief about what happens to you when, you when you die, right? We 
as a faith group, as Bible-believing people, right? We try to look, what is it that God says? Where do we find what God says? We look to Scripture, right? And so, in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 5, this is one of the pillars of our faith communities of Seventh-day Adventists, right? Ecclesiastes 9, 5, we call this the state of the dead. What happens to people when they die? Ecclesiastes 9, 5 says, for the living know that they will die. Well, isn't that true? Like we said, every second, people, people are dying. But the dead know nothing. They have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished. Forever they have no more. Share in all that is done under the sun. The dead know nothing. What happens when you die? Well, nothing. You go into sleep mode. Right? Your brain stops. Your heart starts pumping. You no longer have consciousness. There are many people who believe in the afterlife and, and that when you die and you kind of, your, your soul or, or whatever goes and you are still conscious and making decisions and, and living a life, it's just a different one. But when we have questions and we believe that God has the answers, we look to Scripture and it says, well, the dead know nothing. They, they stop. In fact, it's compared to being in a deep sleep, right? This week, like we've mentioned, we started recording people, right? We're putting them on the internet. I make videos, and so I know, oh, okay, well, an hour-long video should take, you know, an hour or uh, two to three hours at most to render and to get all that done. It shouldn't take that long. Well... I messed up something. Brother Byron was laughing at me. I messed up on one of the videos, and somehow I, like, copied the video five or six times on top of itself. The video ended up being, like, 564 gigs. That's enormous. I don't know if that means anything to you. It's a huge video file. What that meant was that it took me nine hours to render that video and get it ready. And I was sitting there, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And what did that do? You can ask my wife. I was very frustrated. (laughs) I was irritable. I was not having a good time. Because when you're waiting for something great, right? You ever heard of that? Especially as a kid, when we used to go to Disney, going to Disney felt so far away. Like, why is this taking so long? I'm looking forward to this. But coming back... It's like, man, 10 minutes, that's great. Wow. It's the same amount of time. It just, when you're waiting for something great, it just feels like it takes forever. But here's the thing. Sometimes we'd go to Disney real early in the morning. And what would happen? I'd fall asleep. And it would feel like I got in the car, closed my eyes, and next thing I know, Mickey Mouse is greeting me at the gate. Because when you're asleep, time passes differently. It feels almost instant, right? When you're waiting eight hours or nine hours, like I was for the video, I kept saying to myself in the back of my head, man, I wish I could sleep through this, and it would be great. Because I've never been upset when I get nine hours of sleep, but I am upset waiting nine hours for this video to be rendered. When we die, 
The Bible compares it to a sleep. Time passes differently. It doesn't matter if you died a thousand years ago or if you die tomorrow. Both of you will feel that that was just, I closed my eyes and I woke up and here we are because time is different. You won't be around also waiting in nothingness, right? Because you're just sitting waiting for the, you know, the second coming to come and you're just floating around and you would be anxious and that doesn't seem fair also, right? We believe in a second coming. We believe, yeah, that we are not, you know, that death isn't the end. We believe we have a very strong hope in the second coming. We have a hope that Jesus will come. We will be in fellowship with him. We're going to see our friends and our family and every, anyone we've ever lost who we were close to. We're going to be together again. If they believe in Jesus, we will all be together again. That's exciting. We look forward to that. It gives us hope. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Hope in the second coming. Hope in salvation. We have hope. And so, the next question is, well, if I have that hope, if I know what's coming, why am I still sad? Why does it hurt when my loved one passes away? Continuing on, John chapter 11, verse 11. It says this, we catch up with uh, what's going on with Jesus. It says, after saying these things, he said to them, the uh, disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Basically, they're saying, well, if he's taking a nap, Jesus, he's going to wake up. Like, I don't know why you're so stressed out about that. Then, verse 13, now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant he was taking a rest and sleep or taking a nap. Verse 14, then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Lazarus is asleep, right? We just talked about that, the similarity, right? We say that death is a sleep. Lazarus is asleep. They don't understand. Jesus has to tell them plainly, no, I'm talking about the death that you know. He has died. He is not living anymore. And so we, we, uh, we go on. I'm not going to read every single thing to you, but if you want to skim while we're reading, uh, going from verse 21 through 24, Martha, the sister of Lazarus, Lazarus, meets up with Jesus as he's coming in. He says, where have you been? What's going on? I have pain now, right? Then we go to John eleven thirty four uh, thirty two. Martha already had that conversation with Jesus. Now Mary, the other sister, where have you been? I am in pain. My brother is gone. And the thing that's interesting is that Martha actually says, "I know that he's going to be okay in the end," right? She, she acknowledges that he's going to be okay in the end of all things, that she'll see Lazarus again, but she's still in pain like us. Why? Why do we have hurt? Well, it wasn't part of the original plan. Turn with me. Genesis 3, verse 19. 
while you're turning there, I'll give you some context. We've been jumping to Genesis almost every single one of these sermons, right? So maybe you already know it by heart. (laughs) But in Genesis 1, we heard in the uh, children's story, God created everything and it was great. It was good, right? Uh, uh, In chapter 2, we see that he created rest, he created woman, and it was great. All things were good. Chapter 3, we get into the fall of humanity, where we are in sin, right? This is why death stings, because of sin, because of what happened in Genesis chapter 3. And so we'll catch up now in verse 19. Jesus is speaking to Adam, "'By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return.'" That wasn't part of the plan, but remember we said sin is a sickness. It changes things. Because of sin, you were dust. You will return to dust. I had, um, when, we, when I was at Southern, I don't remember exactly which year it was, but it was a very unfortunate thing, very sad moment uh, at our campus. Uh, one of the young women there, she passed away. It was an unexpected thing, something with her heart. And it shook the campus because people knew her. And, uh, I mean, it, we hear about things happening, but sometimes when it just hits really close to home, like, you know, it, it feels different in it. And, and we were all experiencing pain. And um, we had a small group that I was a part of, and, and one of the, you know, we, we threw that out there. Like, how are you guys feeling? How are you doing? And how we're processing, we're, you know. And, and somebody brought this question up. If we have a hope... And this was a godly girl. This was so, she was such a godly woman. Why are we hurting? If we know, you know, we're going to see her again and everything's going to be okay, why does it hurt? Well, in, uh, in the spirit of prophecy, we see an example where, right, death was never, ever a part of the equation originally, right? When Adam and Eve kind of, like, they saw a leaf die, when they saw things having to die, things passing away, it affected them more than it affects us, right? But that has lasted through time. Why? Because every time someone passes away, we are reminded that this world is not our home. Something in our, in, in our heart, in our mind, even if we don't believe in God at all, something causes pain. Because it is a yearning in our hearts, a a, a tugging, a a gentle, sometimes not so gentle reminder that something's wrong. This wasn't supposed to happen, and it hurts, and it affects us. It is a reminder this is not our home, that something, we always say, I wish, right, that nobody would ever die. I want to be with you forever. We get married for life, right, for eternity. We don't want people to go. So every time someone does, we're reminded of God's original plan. And that pain is there because it reminds us this isn't that original plan. Pain is necessary, right? It's part of our life now. I've heard, right, in certain circles, not here. You guys are great. (laughs) I've heard in certain circles that when someone dies, right, and, and... the, the usually well-intentioned saints, so to speak, will say, hey, you can't feel those feelings. 
Because there's a second coming, because there's a hope, you can't feel that. No, I say you got to lean into it to heal. You must lean in to it to heal. Because when you lean into it, you are reminded that there is something better. And God is going to make it better. But I'm not going to dwell on that forever and ever. We think, we believe, I mentioned, we do believe that there is something after this death, right? Death that we've all been affected by. There is something more. As you read through the Scriptures, you hear this thing called everlasting life thrown around a few times. Life eternal. Okay, how do I get that, right? How do I get an everlasting life, right? Well, I would say that there is this thing called the gospel. The gospel literally means good news. There is good news. John 3.16 is the gospel summarized, right? So, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him, the son, shall not perish but have everlasting life. If I want that eternal life, right, so then I believe in Jesus and I'm going to be good. That's good news. That's great news, actually. John 11, we're going back to it. John 11, verse 25. John 11, verse 25 says this. Uh, this is him speaking to Martha. Jesus speaking to Martha. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, an earthly death, right? There's a difference. An earthly death, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. How do we get eternal life, right? There is a very popular belief that when you die, right, you either go straight up to heaven or you made bad decisions, you go straight to hell. And it is, uh, that's essentially eternal life, right? That's what, eternal life. Okay, so when I die, I go to heaven, I'll live there forever, right? However, the key part of the gospel, John 3, 16, what we just read he who believes in me, who believes in Jesus, shall have eternal life. So, the, you know, what happens to popular belief? Well, if somebody doesn't believe in Jesus, then they go to hell, and then they're there tormented forever and ever and ever. That sounds a lot like eternal life. Right? The popular belief, they will be tormented forever and ever, for all eternity but I just read the good news, the good news that if I believe in Him, I'll have eternal life. It says nothing about having eternal life in pain and, and, and in anguish and sadness. And, and, and also, what, that, that undermines the loving character of God. It makes Him evil. Why would He be okay? Why would He be okay with allowing people to be in pain, physical pain, unbearable pain for the rest of their, well, for the rest of ever. 
That's a, ter- that's a terrible, terrible thing. Eternal life is a promise, right? The state of the dead, you, you are sleeping, but at that trumpet call of God, you will be raised and perishable. You will have eternal life. It says nothing. It says nothing about eternal life, uncomfortable and terrible. Eternal life is a good thing. It can never, should never, will never be equated with something bad. And, you know, that doesn't stop people from dying. People die. We feel that sting. But like I said, we have the hope of a second coming. We have the hope of the second coming. First uh, Thessalonians 4, 13. I've been, I think I've mentioned this verse almost every week. We're going to read it again because these are good, good, good verses. Verse 13, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do or uh, who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even though uh, uh, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Pause. They can't, you know what I mean? They can't go right up to heaven. There's going to be a second coming where everyone, right? Everyone will see together. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry or with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Verse, uh, John chapter 11, verse 38. I'm going back to the story. Chapter 11, book of John, verse 38. Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb, the tomb of Lazarus. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this is on account of the people standing around me that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out and his hand and feet were bound with linen strips and his face wrapped in cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. With the voice, the simple voice of Jesus, the dead rise. Granted, we don't all have this story. We don't all have this story like Mary and Martha, Lazarus. When people in our life die, they die. But it's that voice, that voice. Can God be good in the midst of all of this? Absolutely. God is great even in death. 
Even in our lowest moments, he is so, so good to us. Why? Because going back to 1 Thessalonians, verse 16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel. Like we see here with that voice, he will call out to our friends, our family, those who have passed away. It might even be us. He'll call out to us, wake up, come out, and we will rise to heaven. We will go first, and those who are alive, they'll meet us. We will be with him forever. God is so good. He is so good. You see, Jesus, even in death, Jesus has power over death right? He overcame death himself. He saved us from death, right? The eternal death. That's the great news is that he doesn't answer to death, right? Death answers to him. My friends, and this is a sad, it, it is sad, right? We miss, we miss people, but we know we're going to see him again. Have peace. Have peace knowing that even in death, God is good. Have peace knowing that even in death he is faithful, that he is powerful. Just a voice, just a voice can change everything. Have peace knowing that he is coming and will make all things new. Have peace knowing that even in the midst of death, God is love. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you so much. God, we thank you for sleep. We thank you that when our loved ones die, we know that they're just resting, waiting for that second coming, that soon second coming. God, we have peace knowing that even in death, you are faithful to your promises. Lord, that um, you are a loving God. God, that even people who cursed you, people who don't love you, who don't know you, God, that you aren't a kind of God who would torture them for all eternity. God, we thank you that eternal life is for those who love you and for, who care about you, who want to spend that time with you forever and ever and ever. God, thank you for your love, for your faithfulness. God, thank you for your power. With the voice of the archangel, you will call up our friends and family, our loved ones, God, and we will be with them. We will be with you forever. Ever. You are so good. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen.